Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's take a walk. Welcome to Two Redheads Walk Into a Podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Dallas. Today, we're going to step into our autoimmune journey. We know autoimmune disease, among other medical conditions, can bring fear, uncertainty, and extreme lifestyle changes. In this episode, we'll delve into the signs that led us to our autoimmune diagnoses and how to be in tune with your own body to identify these shifts. We'll discuss our trials and tribulations coping with the symptoms of autoimmune conditions. And finally, we'll dig deeper into how to work with your doctor to pinpoint possible answers. Step right up, because here we go. Good morning. Good afternoon. Or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Today, we're going to go ahead and issue a content warning. Health issues and disease can be very sensitive topics for many people. If you feel that this episode might trigger some negative thoughts or feelings, then please go ahead and skip this episode, and we'll be happy to have you back on our next podcast. Before we get started on this episode's rapid fire, I think we need to actually tell people who may not know what an autoimmune disease actually is. And this is from the Johns Hopkins Medical Center website, hopkinsmedicine.org. Autoimmune disease happens when the body's natural defense system can't tell the difference between your own cells and foreign cells, thereby causing the body to mistakenly attack normal cells. Now that we have that down, let's go ahead and get into the rapid fire on autoimmune disease. Dallas, let's start off with the first question. Do you have an autoimmune diagnosis? Yes and no. Interesting. I'm looking forward to delving deeper into that with you. Absolutely. Go ahead. Next. (laughs) Okay. What was the first symptom or indication that you noticed that something had changed within you? Um. I got really sick Mm -hmm. and the biggest change was I had this imbalance. I couldn't quite keep upright and walking. I mean, I look like a drunk woman, a a normal upper respiratory infection. This was something new. This was weird. And so it was what caused me to kind of go to the doctors and say something very drastic is wrong. And I do remember that. I remember the questions you had. All right, next question. After being diagnosed, or in your case, half and half, what were your initial thoughts? Did you have fears? Did you, was it more of a curiosity? Well, after a year and a half on the Dr. Merry-go-round, getting the autoimmune diagnosis, at least knowing that what they thought was the underlying cause of everything was an autoimmune condition, at least answered one of the questions right? Then that plays back into that whole, yes, I have a diagnosis, but no, I don't, because the doctors still don't really know what facet of autoimmune disease this is. We know that my thyroid is having issues, but there is neurological and nervous system conditions that they're having trouble locking down. Understandable. It was like, I have a certainty, but it's still very uncertain. (laughs) You know, like, Okay, what do we do then? Where do we go? Who has those answers for us? Gotcha. Gotcha. Next one. Are you currently dealing with any symptoms? I am. So the biggest ones right now are the extreme fatigue. So it doesn't take me a lot as far as both physical and mental energy Mm -hmm. expenditure before I'm in bed for 18 hours. It's been still dealing with a little bit of the imbalance 
and still having to watch out for things like brain fog, where it's a little difficult to think and to function. Even. And fatigue and brain fog are huge indicators. They're indicators of so much stuff, but they are really big indicators of uh, a disruption in your autoimmune system. Yep. And finally, how much or when do your symptoms affect your life currently? All the time right now. This has been a huge change to my life. I am normally known to my friends and my coworkers and everything else as the Energizer Bunny. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what you are. <laughs> absolutely. And now I am I am having to find new ways to rearrange my entire life to be productive still because you don't really realize how much effort and energy is just into basic daily activity and care absolutely. of yourself and your house and, and things of that nature. And so this has been hugely impactful and I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to continue to move forward with this. Okay. Especially with the no diagnosis of the actual autoimmune condition, because some autoimmune conditions like MS and others have new drugs that are available to help people function. For those of us who don't know the specifics or who have an autoimmune condition that is on the rarer side, the much rarer side of the spectrum, we don't have a lot of, of help that's available as right. far as treatment is concerned. We can just treat the symptoms the best we can and kind of hope for the best. And I expect even if you have a, a secondary underlying condition that presents itself differently, you know, no one can tell, well, this is definitively this, it, it, it could have absolutely nothing to do with one diagnosis. It could be a totally different mm -hmm. symptom or diagnosis in and of itself. Yep. -er. It's, it has been quite a challenge on that. And it is for most people with autoimmune because a lot of people with autoimmune diseases also have more than one condition. Your immune system is attacking, attacking more than one organ or more than one system within your body. That is true. I've kind of answered your questions now, Lori, but I have a little bit of a, an odd situation going on with my diagnosis. So for the rapid fire for your questions, this is going to be really, really quick. Yes, it so is. So you just go right back through those questions. And I will. I it's will almost one word answers. <laughs> it, it pretty much, it pretty much is a little, little explaining, but not much. I have a diagnosis. I have mixed scleroderma. Do not know the severity of it yet. My first symptom that I was aware of, because we'll get into that later. I had another symptom that I had no clue was, was a symptom. And that's another part. You have to know what they are. But my first symptom was during the pandemic, staying home, my joints would get just a little more stiff. I was losing flexibility. And I thought it was because I wasn't going to the gym and I wasn't going to bar class or Pilates. I noticed the stiffness and I figured, oh, maybe arthritis is setting in. We are getting a little bit older, so yes. we do yes. have to, you have to be able to recognize when it's in, you're getting older symptom versus an exactly. autoimmune system. And while my autoimmune disease is not hereditary, there are many such as types of arthritis that is, and my grandmother had it. Mm -hmm. So my diagnosis, I have the medical app from the provider's office, and I got my test results back on that. So I was alone in my house, not with a doctor. And I saw the word scleroderma. And in my experience, I've only known of two people that have had it. They've died young 
and I was an absolute wreck. I was crying. I was screaming. I was literally imagining three years down the road, my kids having no mother because I didn't understand it. And when you do get into Dr. Google, which it is helpful, but oh my gosh, once you hit that rabbit hole, it is extremely detrimental. Yes. You're well, you have to be very careful. So I was so blessed. I had a medical doctor friend who is a neurosurgeon and she's married to a friend of mine who has a PhD and his dissertation was on lupus. So while it's not quite a rheumatologist, they could do some research for me and they did. And they walked me back off that cliff. Which is great. See, it's all about the information with Mm -hmm. autoimmune disease. And that is one thing about our issue right now is it's not as prevalent Mm -hmm. in the media and other areas as things like cancer. And there are some components of autoimmune diseases that are prevalent, like MS, like lupus, Mm -hmm. uh, like rheumatoid arthritis. Correct. So there is some knowledge out there, but I don't know about how this happened with you as well. But when you started to tell your your friends and family about what was going on with you. Um, I'd really like to know kind of what their reaction was because it, I I don't know if it's going to be the same as mine. This may be another difference for us. My friends and family reaction for those who knew about autoimmune, which is just two of my friends because one of them has it, they immediately knew exactly what I was dealing with, how this symptoms were kind of affecting life and doing whatever. My family, on the other hand, with no knowledge whatsoever, nothing. It was like crickets. I mean, I even had one of my family members call me a hypochondriac to another family member. And I'm like, okay, this is, that is not good. And when you deal with a disease that is more invisible and less on the outside, that happens. Yeah, they can't, they can't see the pain or the struggles or the symptoms. So they're like, oh, well, you look fine. You stated that perfectly. And the other thing too is we as women, I feel sometimes we try to hide that type of stuff. I mean, I know men do to an extreme Mm -hmm. and autoimmune right now is much more prevalent with women, but I think that's because women take more active participation in their health than men do. So I think it actually is more prevalent in men than we think. But as, you know, a female disease, it also just doesn't have a lot of research or knowledge out there about what it is. And we hide a lot of that pain. And That's so true. precisely what you said before, they just don't see it. And so then what do you do? How do you combat that? Did right. you have the same experience with your family? Not quite. I consider myself to be very in tune with my body. I just know things like I knew I was going to need a C-section, a couple other things that came up. I knew something was wrong with my thyroid. I have a underactive thyroid at 20, 28, 29. I just, I felt something was wrong. So I do notice changes pretty easily. So I went to the doctor quickly came home and my husband, because I'm always like, oh, well, I think I have this, or maybe, maybe I should get this checked out. He's just like, this is just you being you not quite the hypochondriac, but you're always looking to find something. And if you look hard enough, you will. So I wouldn't say supportive, but he's also not a demonstrative person with his feelings. So I know that he did his research and until I actually got facts from the doctor, he would not do any more research and then he would research that. And we really don't discuss it. Mm-hmm. And then I haven't told too many friends, but I have just played it down. So I would, I would explain to people, oh yes, I have scleroderma, but you know, so far all the tests we are running shows 
no progression in the disease. We did x-rays and echocardiograms and pulmonary breathing tests, function tests, and everything came back perfect. I visited the dermatologist. Everything came back perfect. I visited the eye doctor. Everything came back perfect. So I was in a really, really good place that I didn't want sympathy. I didn't want people thinking I was sick. So I was just like, you know, I have this, you know, everything looks great though. (laughs) So the few people that do know, well, now everyone knows, but the few people that do know, and that I did tell, I didn't really get a lot from, but I wanted it that way. And to each their own on that one. Yeah. For me, I actually, it was incredibly important to at least make my parents and my family understand what was going on because they could see a change, but they didn't understand why. And you had many more lifestyle changes that you had to incorporate than I did. Yes. It has, it has been a drastic change in the way that I normally function. Right. All right. So let's go ahead and take a deeper dive into the diagnosis stage, the symptoms, and a little bit of how this almost like just entered our lives. Yeah. For me, what ended up happening was I ended up getting sick a lot. I got about six upper respiratory infections in one year. Wow. And the doctors were already like, okay, this is a little odd. You shouldn't be having this this often. And my friend who already had a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease said, you know what? I I need you to go into your doctor and this is exactly what I need you to ask them to run for you, the tests to run. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, how do I do that? I mean, I go into the doctor and I tell the doctor what to do. That seems a little strange, but I did. I had a very good doctor at the time, a very good GP. She was amazing. That is always helpful. Exactly. And she was already curious because of how many times I had been getting sick. So when I asked her to run the tests for autoimmune, she didn't have a problem with it at all. She thought, well, that is, that's a good place to check. And funny enough, it came up and it said, yep, okay, now we have to track down the details. Gotcha. And that's when it got difficult because the symptoms were kind of across the board. Autoimmune disease symptoms tend to be very general symptoms that lots of other things can share. Yes, yes. And then without a lot of the science out there to be able to delineate between the different types of autoimmune disease. Some have specific tests like scleroderma, like lupus, like uh, MS, like a few others, but many don't. And so then it's just, you have to be very active in tracking your own day-to-day symptoms. Absolutely. How am I feeling today? What did I eat today? How did I sleep today? How bad was that symptom? How many symptoms have I had during this day? What else, you know, what activities was I doing during this day? And you really have to track all of that information to be able to take back to your doctors because Mm -hmm. they only have 20 minutes with you. And that's only the symptoms you know about. Exactly. You have to be able to give them kind of a, a platform and then you have to play this fun little game with some doctors. You can't sound too smart and you can't sound too obsessed with your symptoms or they put you in that same category. Yes. You're a hypochondriac. One benefit that I have had throughout this entire process is that my blood work is showing something is very, very wrong. So even without the other symptom side of things and with us still coming up with, you had mentioned earlier, 
testing. You kept getting these tests that were coming back normal and you're like, yay, yay, yay. On my side, we keep coming back testing and everything's normal. And I'm like, bummer. Right. Ah, that's one more thing that, okay, yeah, we ruled it out, but that still doesn't get us to ruling something in. Correct. It's just a longer process. Whereas you had a more direct route with some of your symptoms. It was, it was very straightforward. Yes. I had a, a great general practitioner. I went in, I said, you know, my joints are stiff. Don't know what's going on here. Possibly arthritis maybe. And she's like, no, let me check that. She scheduled me for a, I think it's a basic ANA test. And I said, Hey, while you're doing this, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but could you test for scleroderma? Because in researching joints and stuff, I saw that Raynaud's phenomenon, which I had since about 2018, it goes hand in hand with scleroderma. And no one told me that. I was actually diagnosed with it in 2019, but no one said, hey, a lot of people who have this have this. Maybe we should check into that. I go to this lady. She's like, whatever you want to test, we'll test. And I had a, a, a wonderful experience in that sense. Getting the positive results back actually sucked. And then, you know, going to the rheumatologist and going to do right. all the other testing. But I was so lucky to have a doctor who listened to my concerns and almost let me take the lead because I was in the general general right direction. Mm -hmm. That's what you would feel. This is, this is correct. So let's go ahead. It's rare, but let's check it. And then when it came back, she's like, yeah, you are. That's the good thing. You're very in tune with your body. The bad thing is it's positive. <laughs> And you would have had a little bit more time to get used to your diagnosis or at least potentially get in front of that diagnosis if one of the doctors who diagnosed you with Renaud's early on knew that connection. Yes. So that's and, one thing that, that I want to put out to the listeners too is your doctors know a lot. They are brilliant. They are amazing. But you also have to know they don't know everything. And that doctor giving you the Renaud's missed something that they needed to test for and you've lost time. Yes. And with scleroderma, it is very important to get in front of that because it attacks various organs. Yes. And that was actually a, that was a different doctor who diagnosed that. And on the one hand, it gave me more peace of mind for the next three years. And then on the other hand, it was another, I guess, positive is they say the longer you go from the onset of Raynaud's to any other symptoms is great. It means it is not a fast progressing disease. Usually some people get six months before they're noticing symptoms on their hands, ulcers, tightening of the skin, issues with their esophagus. And I did all the testing and I have at this point, no other symptoms whatsoever, just the inflammation. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I'm lucky I'm coming up on December of this year mm -hmm. will be three years since I was diagnosed and four years since I, I noticed it. So mm -hmm. I'm coming up on the four-year mark and the five-year mark, they're like, kind of, if you get to five years and you really don't see much else, it's probably not what's going to kill you. Okay. So basically I'm waiting Phew. for something else to hit me. <laughs> That's good. Let's not bring that down on us though. Okay. Let's not invoke Murphy's law here. Okay. <laughs> I would right. prefer not to. Okay. So I have to say, along with having just such a great physician who really worked with me and listened to my concerns, I was also so lucky to not have any issues with my insurance or billing or getting referrals to other people. And that was just quick and easy for me. And I know your experience in that department is another huge difference between us. So Very you, different. Why, don't, why don't you walk <laughs> me through that one? During my experience, one, I finally did find a doctor who was Awesome. good at listening, who was an awesome doctor, very well informed, still not fully informed on autoimmune, 
but also willing to do a little research if he needed to and wanted to reach out to other doctors. I actually had to hire a patient advocate. Wow. I had to hire a doctor to work as my quarterback to organize all of the different areas because autoimmune typically stripes multiple areas of your body and that requires multiple specialties of doctors. So now was this to get referrals to other people or for just different testing? This was for different testing. Okay. This was to, if we had to bring a new doctor in to be able to get that new doctor up to speed as quickly as possible. So somebody who could speak doctor to doctor because doctors, as I said, sometimes don't like you to be too smart or too informed understandable when they talk to you so that was kind of what the patient advocate did was to be able to be a buffer and then to also do some research that i wasn't able to do or understand i mean i feel like now i've almost gotten a medical degree <laughs> i want to go back to school for a subject you never wanted to know about. exactly that i never wanted to know about biology is not marine biology is in your wheelhouse biology was never in my wheelhouse so that's kind of what the patient advocate did. And we'll talk about that in one of our later episodes on autoimmune. We'll talk about patient advocacy, how you need to advocate to yourself, how you need to doctor shop mm -hmm, sometimes definitely. to make sure that you get doctors who are working with you, who are knowledgeable in that area. And then also what patient advocates are, how to mm -hmm. find them and yeah. how to work with them. Insurance as well, that was another area. I'm sure where, you, from what you said, it was a nightmare. Yeah. You had continuous insurance through your husband's insurance plan. That never changed. Yes. As I was going through this, I changed jobs mm -hmm. twice because I do mostly consulting at this point. So my insurance changed. And when that changes, you lose doctors. They don't take that insurance. Then you have to find new ones. Then you have to fight with the insurance. Insurance will fight you on they, what they pay for. And so I had to come up with a whole new way of pulling out what some people refer to as, uh, you know, Red Dallas to get what I needed. How to be super nice and super uh -huh. sweet, but very direct and had to continue to go back again and again and fight the battle to say, get this done, approve this test. How do we get to approving this test? When we talk about autoimmune insurance in a later episode, we'll talk about how you can actually get a person at your insurance company. Insurance companies have advocates inside the company who will work with just your file. So you're not working with 10 different people. It's one person, you go to them, and then they, they do the internal work to get everything approved. And once I found that out, super helpful, made everything so much better. That episode where we get into the advocacy and insurance is going to be really enlightening for me. Because like I said, that was not my experience at all. Yes, it, it may be. So, I mean, I'm waiting for that episode so I can also learn. Fantastic. And I hope our listeners get something out of that one too. So I'd like to go back and recap a few of the markers that we talked about and also add things that people should be on the lookout for. There are a lot of indicators out there that you don't have or I don't have that are just prominent in the autoimmune community. True. So let's go back to some of the ones that you mentioned. So some of the big ones that I hear from other people who have autoimmune and ones that correspond to ones that I've had are things like brain fog. That's Absolutely. one of the big ones. I've got um, that as well. Fatigue is one of the big ones. And Check. when I say fatigue, it's fatigue that is not normal for that particular set of activity. Yes, you get fatigued in exercising. But in my case, I can't walk 
not even a half a block before I start to get incredibly imbalanced and before my body starts to get very tired to the point of I almost want to fall down. You know, it's the point of passing out. So, so is, that, it a, is it a muscular fatigue or a, a breathing fatigue or just a, It's everything? a general fatigue. Okay. And that's why it's a little hard to say fatigue and people to, you know, believe you on that. Oh, well, right. you're just exercising. You're tired. You're okay. sleepy. <laughs> um, but if that fatigue turns into you have to sleep for 16 hours, your body is literally shutting it down for a huge amount of sleep outside of the normal. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you need to start looking for and saying, okay, do I have a problem, another problem that's underlying it? Gotcha. So those are the two big ones that I've heard that are, are pretty common across mm -hmm. a lot of the autoimmune diseases. And then there are some smaller ones that are more specific to certain people. Yes. Getting sick more often. So if you are getting every flu and every COVID and everything that comes into the office, or, you know, just going out and doing your daily activities, if you're getting sick upper respiratory a lot, that is an indicator that your immune system is struggling to deal with this other thing and doesn't have enough to actually fight off other diseases. And so Lori, I think you've had a few too that... I do deal with brain fog. It also could be menopause. Again, you just can't pinpoint these things, but I have noticed my brain fog kicking back in. It's, it's like when I was pregnant. It's I'm right. forgetting words it's the standard walk into a room. What am I doing here? I know a lot of people get that occasionally, but I do find it happening a little more often for me personally. I get numbness in my fingers and toes that kind of correlates with Renaud's. But if I've got my hand propped up for too long, I'll notice a numbness. It's the circulation one that I don't have, but that I know a lot of people that do. And I think you mentioned it in just one of our conversations is weight fluctuations. Yes. Do you think that's more related to the autoimmune disorder or medications that you might be trying out? That can be both. So one of the big things is if you're having severe weight fluctuations, it's either weight coming on or weight going off. That is a big indicator, especially if you have an autoimmune thyroid condition. High thyroid activity, you're going to lose weight almost immediately. In fact, that's how one of my other friends who, again, I've got a couple with autoimmune that they figured out that's what she has. A nurse friend of her said, wait a minute, you just lost a whole bunch of weight. You're getting sick a lot. Go in and ask your doctor to test for autoimmune. And stunning enough, that's exactly what it was. Her thyroid was under attack. Mine, on the other hand, I have an underactive thyroid. So it's ridiculously impossible for me to get weight off. I have to be very conscious of my diet just to maintain because I don't have a lot of activity as well That's because right. of the fatigue mm -hmm. to be able to exercise and do some of the other stuff. Medications play into this in huge amounts as well. Another friend of mine, she is on a higher end regimen of medications to treat her autoimmune, which is very severe. And that is causing a lot of weight gain, which of course then doesn't help the underlying autoimmune. No. It, that ups the inflammation markers as well. So. It does. And it affects other things as well, such as the pressure on your knees mm -hmm. and how quickly you're getting around. If it's taking you longer to get somewhere, you're going to get more tired. Yes. Then you'll have more weight. So exercise is harder and it's a vicious cycle that you'll just get into. Yes. So it's another one of those things that you have to be aware of and chart and document and work with your doctors on to make sure that if you are going to be taking a new medication, that you take those types of things into account. Like there is one thing that the hematologist just really wants to do for my iron levels 
and we just can't because for some reason it throws a huge amount of weight on me that I then can't get off. And so we're never going to be able to do that again. So I could solve one problem, but I could create a much bigger problem. Mm. So medication, you've got to watch out for that as well, along with just the general weight gains and weight fluctuations that can be indicators. Yes, totally. I think the only other ones I've encountered, I did mention them, a stiffness in the joints. And I honestly, I was very flexible. I could do all the yoga positions. I could do four or five years ago, I could still do a cartwheel. No problem. Very flexible. And I've lost most of that. You know, still, I'm able to still do everything. It hasn't impeded me totally. I just don't do it to the degree that I did. Right. And a lot of people will also be going, oh, well, you know, you're getting older. It's age. And I was very grateful that once I finally found the doctors who were familiar with autoimmune, they immediately said, okay, yeah, age is factoring into this. Don't get us wrong. But your right. first flare-up was before your 40s. And so those types of symptoms, you shouldn't have been happening then. Correct. That mm -hmm. wouldn't have been age-related at that point. And to help educate me as well, some of the optical issues that I'm having, I just thought, that's age, right? I'm getting older. But they immediately latched onto that one and said, whoa, no, that's not age. That slow motion thing that you're having, you know, if you were losing, and my optometrist as well, she's like, no, you're still pretty darn close to 2020. So you're not losing a lot of eyesight. I'm not losing distance. I'm not losing that type of thing. What I'm getting are issues with my optical nerve and issues with my nervous system. And that's an indicator right. of my autoimmune condition mm -hmm. are these optical issues that I'm having. So that was nice to know that it's like, I'm not overreacting and this isn't a thing. So they were like, no, that really is not age. <laughs> and it is, it's incredibly frustrating when your concerns aren't validated. So yes, definitely. Just please remember, we are not doctors ourselves. We are not in the medical field. All of what we're saying comes from either our doctors or our experiences. But if you notice something changing rapidly or slowly, just go ahead and get it checked out for your own peace of mind. And it's a good way to see if your doctor is the right fit for you. Because if your doctor listens and takes you seriously, then you have a good doctor. But there are bad doctors out there, just like there are bad people in other fields. There are bad lawyers. Yes. So find out about the quality of your doctor. Are they taking you serious as a patient? Because again, I had a great doctor when this first flared up. Definitely. And you did as well. I started to struggle when we started to get into the specialty areas. But again, I already knew from one of my other friends who had already gone through it, you have to find the doctor fit that's right for you, that has the knowledge you need. And I think another thing is once you do get into the specialties, they take you more seriously when you're presenting symptoms that are in your face. It's like, I'm presenting for MS and lupus, for mm -hmm. example. And once you have all these underlying conditions that they can't diagnose right off the bat, I feel like they get frustrated. They do. Our system, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about insurance, the medical okay. system in the, the West right now is really set up and is amazing at acute care. When it's in your face, when it is a heart attack, it's a stroke, it's a well-known, what you were talking diagnosis. about before, exactly, diagnosis, and it is more acute. It's to the point where it's already kind of gone past or is at the point of no return, then they're right on it. If I break a bone, definitely go into the hospital on that one because I know they can take care of that. But these chronic diseases, they're struggling the way the processes are set up, the way they're taught even in school has some flaws that make it more difficult for chronic disease patients to get the kind of attention and care that they need. 
And I feel like the longer it goes without a diagnosis, the more they are, oh goodness, this one again, or oh goodness, how many more tests are we going to have to run? Exactly. So don't get frustrated by it. Chart what you need. Go off of actual values. Yes. And you're going to have to maintain your own records. Yes. Keep that diary. Anything different. Mm -hmm. And just, again, make sure that you have doctors who are compassionate, who are used to dealing with these types of chronic diseases, and you won't have such a fight to be able to get the testing that you need and to be able to get to the diagnoses. And be aware, especially in the autoimmune realm, because we are in zebra territory. And by zebra, the old saying is, if you hear hoofbeats, and this is how doctors are trained, if you hear hoofbeats, think horse. But with autoimmune, we need them to think zebra. Or rhino. (laughs) Or giraffe. Or exactly. any other hoofed animal. So just make sure that you realize because we're in this exotic territory, you may not get as lucky. And I say that with all irony as Lori, that she immediately had a test available that could identify it with scleroderma or Sjogren's or one of the others. Yes. You may unfortunately struggle with your disease without having a definitive diagnosis of the form of autoimmune it is. You may know it's autoimmune, your immune system's attacking something, but your doctors may not actually be able to identify what it is because the science just isn't there yet. And I think that's the struggle for whether you're going the long drawn out process or you do get a quick diagnosis. It's just different struggles for different results. So let's kind of like pick it up to present day, what you and I are doing for ourselves to maintain our health, to feel better, to almost combat the issues that have been arising from what's happening to our bodies. What do you find helpful or even what did you try that failed? I will say the biggest help that I had was my rheumatologist saying, one of the things you can do, get your inflammation down. So whatever that takes, find out things that you might be allergic to that you didn't know about. So allergy testing was big to try to see if there were any allergies that were mild that we didn't know about that were common. Food allergies being one of the big ones. And then what was also really great advice was from my endocrinologist who said, okay, here's the thing. I can't treat you yet because you're not acute, but we need to get in front of this because the more that we can stop your immune system from attacking the thyroid, the less likely later on that we're going to have to go to high-end medications that are going to be really hard on you. So again, try to get those inflammation markers down. Look for functional doctors who are going to do muscle testing to see, okay, again, what is inflaming your body? Lori, I know you're doing the autoimmune diet right now. Um, It's, yeah, the anti-inflammatory diet. Anti-inflammatory diet. Very restrictive and hard, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give it six months, get my blood tested again and see if that's done anything before I even think about, well, let's talk medicine options now. And that's just for my inflammation symptoms. Yes. So other recommendations were things like, for my doctors, were things like keep going to the PT so that you keep your joints moving so that we can deal with alleviating some of the pressure on your nervous system in your various muscle areas and groups. And then acupuncture. I am all for that. I go regularly and I've done it for different things over the years and I've always found it to be super helpful. I love the joining of the Eastern and Western medicine. Exactly. So the doctors were even saying, you know, look to the East. And we had talked a little bit about this in coffee and tea. Some teas have good herbal benefits. And honestly, turmeric and ginger, which I had mentioned before, are huge Mm anti-inflammatories. And I love ginger, but I hate turmeric. Again, 
I have to reiterate this in a second episode. I hate turmeric <laughs> so much. But turmeric's great. Um, coming from the East on anti-inflammatory, antiviral, it is very good for your immune system. Turmeric, I don't use it in, in cooking, but I do take turmeric supplements, turmeric and black pepper. Um, but I do not like ginger. Oh, see, and there you go. Another difference between us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think the next thing is trying to do as much as I can to keep my body as stress-free as I can, because that is a huge inflammation and to your I body need to work on that um, and looking for different things you know not just relying on my western medicine side because even my doctors are a little frustrated with what they can and cannot do they know their own limitations in this section so they're recommending find new avenues and areas that are going to be helpful all right sounds good i've i've got to go with um similar ones for the inflammation you know, um, the, the three things that I keep coming across in research is uh, your diet, your exercise, and your weight. Okay, my diet, I'm on the anti-inflammatory diet. My exercise, I exercise about four times a week. Um, I get a good heart rate up, and I'm also pretty active on the weekends, not including my workouts. My weight, I am in the quote unquote normal range BMI. I am in the, I guess, standard size for what I should be for my height. I don't have maybe more than 10 pounds that I could lose. So I'm kind of in that holding area where those three natural almost remedies, pretty much the only one I can change is the diet, which I have done. And a lot of more stretching with my exercise, my trainer has been great. She has researched connective tissue disorders and stretching and arthritis type programs. Oh, and she's fantastic. worked them in. Yes, she's worked them in to our training sessions. And I got to mention this because shout out to my doctor. This just, again, proves how great my doctor is. She prescribed me a hot tub. Now, there are some insurance companies out there, not mine, but there are some where they will pay for a hot tub for hydrotherapy. So she wrote me a prescription for hydrotherapy. My insurance didn't cover it, unfortunately, but I was so blessed that my husband for my birthday, Valentine's, Mother's Day <laughs> package, he mm -hmm. went ahead and, and got me a hot tub. And that has been immensely helpful. I can go in there sore and stiff 20 minutes and come out feeling more relaxed. And even if you don't have the hot tub, just a nice hot bath maybe some Epsom salts in there, that's going to do you a huge relief on yes. the swelling that you feel or the inflammation in your body. That heat is going to be so yeah. helpful. And I'll expand on that a little bit. One of the things that works incredibly well for me, I don't have a hot tub and keeping a hot tub where I am would be incredibly difficult to do. It would just get dirty so fast. Even with a cover on it, I have oh. a feeling it would just get too much stuff in it or around it and I wouldn't want really to use it. Ours had to be special made for the for the cold here. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I do is in the bath, Epsom salt definitely, but I have a company here that actually makes bath salts with CBD. Oh, okay. Which is incredibly helpful. It's not it's not marijuana based CBD. It's actually hemp based CBD. So it's legal in all 50 states. <laughs> 
<laughs> no question about it. And that's incredibly helpful for easing muscles and things of that nature. So if you don't have a hot tub, if you've got a tub, Lori's correct, you can still use it. Um, we'll mention some of these on our website, along with some other links to organizations, specifically for autoimmune and support. They have great ideas, get into the discussion. And the more that we can get the word out, the better. This isn't the end of it. This was just the beginning to share how we became part of this world, the autoimmune world, and what to look out for, what to be aware of, and there's more to come. Absolutely. Well, that was certainly a deep dive that we took this week. I'm actually feeling a little fatigued mentally from just I am too. from this topic. But I think it's an important one that we put out there. I think also this is the time in our episode where we do our little challenges to each other and to our listeners. I think we decided that our challenge is going to be to listen to our bodies this week. Note anything different. Dallas, are you looking for anything specific? I am putting a little exercise back into my schedule. Awesome. To see how much I'm going to be able to get away with before things go wonky. <laughs> and you? I am sticking with the food aspect. I really want to nail that down a little firmer with some of the saturated fats and sugars that are considered inflammatory. So I'm going to try to refine my diet just a little bit more, little tweaks slowly. Because if you do this diet instantaneously, you're bound to fail. You really have to just slowly walk into it. So I'm going to do that. We want to challenge our listeners out there. Listen to your body about something. Don't necessarily go looking for it. Don't look for something bad and, and do it in a negative way. Just listen. What are you feeling? What makes you feel good? Do you notice anything that might be different? Just take the week and kind of focus on yourself and your body and listen to it because it's got a lot to tell you. Right. And in this day and age, with all of the information we're being hit with all the time, all of the activities that we do in a day and working and kids and everything else, it's really easy to not hear what our body is trying to tell us because there's so many other signals that we're being hit with. So much more information coming in. So calm, listen, see what you hear. You may be surprised. For, as Lori said, bad or good, you don't know. It might be something good. Now that we've discussed our ideas, are there any recommendations about today's topic that you want to share? Drop us a comment on Instagram or for a complete list of products, services, or other content mentioned in today's podcast, become a Patreon member so you can access those on our private Facebook group. Be sure to join us on next week's podcast when we take a walk into lifestyles. And this is where Dallas and I could not be more different. For a sneak peek of next week's walk into topic, click on the Instagram icon to follow us. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lori. And I'm Dallas. And this is the Two Redheads Walk Into a Podcast. The Two Redheads Podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. As with all our platforms and content, this podcast represents our own current personal views. These opinions do not represent those of any people, institutions, or organizations that we may discuss, mention, or recommend to our audience. At various times, we may provide reviews of products, services, or other resources. Any such reviews will represent the good faith opinions of the authors. You should conduct your own due diligence and should not rely solely upon any reviews provided by the authors. The products and services reviewed may be provided to the company for free or at a reduced price to incentivize a review. For more information about the disclosure of incentives received in exchange for providing review of this product, please contact support at 2 
We are not licensed healthcare professionals, and our personal experiences addressed are what works for our bodies. None of what we say should be taken as medical advice. Please refer to your own physician for any medical needs and concerns.